Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Hi everyone, Pastor Jeff Woodward here from Metro Church in this session that we call Grow and I really love these. I think that they're a wonderful opportunity to press the pause button for a few moments and to sit back and allow the Holy Spirit to bring revelation to your heart and to your life. You know, I look back over particularly my beginning years where uh, the things of the Spirit were such a revelation to me. Something had captured my heart that has never gone away and it's still a huge part of my life. I read the Bible every day, and but don't read it because it's a Christian duty or because, you know, I'm a pastor or something. But I read it because I just think God knows so much more than I do and He wants me to be a part of it. I read only this morning in Genesis, you know, where God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And the reason God did that was so that we could have fellowship. You know, I love our dog. I think she's a great dog. But I can't fellowship with the dog. I can pet the dog. I can play a game with the dog. I can walk the dog. But you know, that dog doesn't understand a whole lot about my life. And and I thank God for the people that He's brought into my world that I can fellowship with. But I also know that God wants me to fellowship with Him. I think one of the greatest tragedies of the Christian life is that many people only know how to serve God or they know how to do God's will in the sense of doing the kind of things that He wants. They give and they serve and they love. And yet they've never experienced the beauty of what it is to walk with God. I certainly don't think I've arrived in any way, shape or form when it comes to that. But I just know that as I continue to walk with Jesus, as I continue to allow the Holy Spirit to bring truth into my life, some of my life continues to grow and not just in knowledge, but there comes a depth to it. And and I just encourage you to lean in for this. I would encourage you to go back and listen to these sessions again and again. If you want some context for this, back last year on the 16th and the 23rd of October in 2022, uh, where I was speaking on the spirit of the book and the spirit of faith, Then on November the 27th, we did part one of this GROW series on developing a spirit of faith. See, I know that some people, well, they pray what I call arrow prayers. And by that, I mean, you know, it's like pull out an arrow, I'm desperate and I aim and hope it hits the heart of God. And I've seen those kind of prayers get answered from time to time. But I don't want to walk with that kind of spirit of desperation. I want to walk with a spirit of God with me and in me that whether I'm in the highs of the highs or the low of the lows, I can walk with faith around about my life. See, I believe that faith is a spirit thing. It's, well, the Bible says it is. I believe that faith is not just a mental ascent. It's not just you and I kind of tweaking our mind into some kind of positive framework, but it's allowing the Holy Spirit to be with me. It's being aware that He who is the Spirit of faith. The Bible says that Jesus is the author and finisher in the book of Hebrews. And that word finisher, by the way, means the developer. It's like a a cabinet maker that's built a beautiful piece of furniture. And then comes the finishing process, which often takes just as long as the construction process did. And so there's the sanding down. And and I remember years and years ago, uh, I was making a certain... Uh, item of timber for a friend of mine as a gift. 
I went to some friends of mine who owned an antiques business and I said, can you show me how to polish this, how to make it look really good? Well, you know, I started sanding and I thought I'd done a really good job and they go, oh no, you've got much more to do. And so I sanded with a certain grade. Then they took down a couple of uh, grades, so it got finer and finer. And uh, it took hours and hours. Uh, actually, at one point, I sanded all the skin off my, off my fingertips. Such was the process of this. Now, bring that over into your spiritual life and you can understand how that getting saved, receiving Jesus as your Saviour is not the end of the story. It's actually only the starting point. God wants to build so much more into your life. I pray that you'll become a person for whom prayer becomes a, a, a bit of a, not a puzzle, but a, a place where I go, God, I want to learn how to pray. You know, it's interesting, isn't it? The disciples never asked Jesus, how do you do miracles? They never once said, how do you preach? But they did say, Lord, teach us how to pray. Not form prayers because, of course, they were used to that from the Pharisees. What they were asking for was, Jesus, can you teach us faith? Can you help us, Lord? I, I want it so that my prayers have got answered so that, you know, if I make a mistake and, hey, listen, right at the start, understand that you might make a few missteps here and there. I've made plenty. I remember once there was a certain car. I only had a bit of an old, you know, dodgy old car, I guess we would say it wasn't that good. And someone had told me about this car that was available that I thought was the bargain of the century. And so I'm praying and I'm visualising and I'm being enthusiastic about it all. I never got the car. And I remember going, God, what was the, where did I miss that there? And I began to, I guess, gain some understanding. God's never wrong, but my faith can grow. We go from faith to faith, the Scripture says. Anyway, listen, I'm so far ahead of myself here. Um, didn't mean to say any of that to you, uh, because first of all, we always want to take a moment to honour people's giving. I just think it's one of the great joys of the Christian life First of all, to be a tither. I remember when I first heard about tithing, to me, there was not even a question. If it was in the Word of God, that's what I did. I never went through some of the arguments and discussions that people have had over the years. They toss and turn. I just go, well, it's all God's anyway, isn't it? So giving Him the first tenth is hardly a challenge. I just do that. And particularly when He adds a promise with it and says, prove me in this and see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing such as you won't even be able to receive it. The story of my life has been that, that I've seen God bless over and over again. So let me pray with you over your giving right now. Heavenly Father, thank you for every person that's a part of this session with us today. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are teaching every one of us. We're all in the school of the Spirit. We're all, Lord, leaning in and taking a, a nugget of revelation here and a little morsel, Lord, of insight here and uh, uh, some of your word there and letting that build our life. Father, I pray for every person here as they're going on the adventure of giving to God, as they're going on the adventure of tithing and being generous in the things of God and generous to others. I pray your blessing over them and over their home. Now, Father, as we really dig into your word, will you help us today? Holy Spirit, come on. We need you to lighten our eyes so we can see. We would never be able to catch a glimpse. We'll know the words. We could get the information, the data, but Lord, we need revelation to come from you. We thank you for that. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen. So, 
as I said, context of this is those two messages I preached on the spirit of faith and then part one of this grow back there in November on developing a spirit of faith. As I've already mentioned to you four times in the Bible, we are told that the just shall live by faith. If you want to know where they are, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4, Romans 1, 17, Galatians 3, verse 11, and Hebrews 10, 38 all say the same thing, that the just shall live by faith. Now, pause there a minute. Think with me. That means that every blessing, every answer to prayer, every fulfilment of dream and vision, every defeat of the enemy's attacks is going to happen as a result of your faith and mine. I'm sure you'll agree then that one of the most important subjects that we can ever discuss and glean uh, uh, from God on is the subject of faith. Faith is so much more. You know, again, I go back to Hebrews chapter 11. I think all of us ought to read it once a week and go back there and see by faith they did this, by faith they did that, by faith they worked righteousness, stopped the mouths of lions, by faith women received their dead back to life again. And when you read all that, you go, it's not, a, it's not a wonder that we talk so much about faith. It's a wonder we don't talk more about it. I know some people unfairly have attached a label of being a, a faith church or something over people. I think every Christian is a faith being. I think every church ought to be a church of faith. Oh, thank God for all the ways that you and I get to walk with God and to see something great happen. So every Christian, I believe, should be desiring to grow in their faith for their own sake, of course, Secondly, for the sake of others. But thirdly, we ought to be wanting to grow in faith for kingdom's sake. I want that God can give me a vision large enough that'll impact the world and that I will be able to attach faith to that. Because without faith attached to that, it's just another great idea. It's just another thing that somebody says ought to happen or could happen or should happen. I want to see something far greater than that. And I'm sure you do as well. I want, so no matter what my realm is and no matter what my public persona might be or my public stature might be, I want to live a life of faith no matter what. So in the last session, I'm building a spirit of faith. I gave you what I believe are two of the uh, key points to that, the key habits. Firstly was to fill your heart and your mind with the promises of God. And secondly was to harness the power of your words. So let's go back, first of all, to our text, the passage that we have been reading and leaning into. Here it is in Romans chapter 4, verse 17 through to 24, and it's talking about Abraham, who is described as the father of all them that believe, all right? So Romans 4, 17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed. In other words, there's that right start where he talks about filling your heart and mind with the Word of God. Abraham never said, you know what? I just don't have any, any descendants to leave all my wealth to. You know, I'm just going to really hope for a child. 
but he went because God gave him a promise. He said, get out of your father's house, Genesis 12, into a land that I will show you and I will bless you and I'll make your name great. And in you will all the families of the earth be blessed. And Abram went out on the basis of a word from God. Oh, look, I pray again that there is a sense of God leading you in your life. I know there is for me. It's not always, listen, angels and, you know, visions in the night, like some kind of Steven Spielberg movie or something or other. It's not that, but it's the daily awareness of God with you. And I know lots of people that have that. I know many people. You don't have to be a pastor or a preacher or a Christian leader in some you know, special spot to have that. It's the right, according to Romans, it says this, that the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So if you're a child of God, if you're a son or a daughter of God, then you've got the right to have the Holy Spirit leading you and showing you how to work with God for your life. Anyway, I better keep on going here. I'm I'm getting sidetracked all the time and good sidetracks. It says, God who gives life to the dead, and here's our second point, and who calls the things that do not exist as though they already did. He speaks about things as though they are have already happened before they happen. And that's where we began to speak about harnessing the power of your words. Proverbs says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those that love it will eat the fruit thereof. But that's just one verse out of literally hundreds. I remember once going through the book of Proverbs and realizing that every chapter of the 31 chapters, there was some mention or reference to the words that you and I speak in our life. So Abraham does all of that and he has that example from God. He holds on to the Word of God, fills his heart and mind with it, harnesses the power of his words. Verse 18, who contrary to hope, in hope believed. Now, this is not where I'm going to go with this, but I've got to say this to you, is that every single one of us, myself included, are going to have things in our life that are contrary to hope. Hello? Maybe in your family, maybe in your physical being, maybe in your finances, maybe in your mind, your emotions. I, I, hello? I, I know I've had lots of those things and there are some still right now where you go, well, that hasn't happened or that looks impossible or how will that come to pass? Oh God, what about this need? You know, and yet God says here that this man was great because he had all these things that were contrary to hope, but he still hoped anyway. He still maintained a lively and a confident expectation that God was going to do good for his life. In contrary to hope and hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations. According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, since he's about 100 years old, or the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore it says it was accounted to him for righteousness. Verse 23, now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us, it shall be imputed or assigned to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus, our Lord from the dead. So here is this man who is the mighty man of faith. He fills his heart and mind with the Word of God. He harnesses the power of his words. But then we read in verse 19, 
an incredible statement that Abram considered not his own body now dead, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now notice that he didn't pretend those things weren't there. Notice that he didn't go, you know what? No, I'm actually just, I'm 45. He never looked at Sarah and said, no, she's a spring chicken. He was fully aware of how old she was and the fact that her womb was now past the ability to be able to uh, carry a child. He realised all that. He looked at his own body and goes, you know what? You know, it's just not happening here. And yet this man, even with all of that, see, faith doesn't pretend. Faith doesn't go, I'm not seeing that. I'm not looking at it. Faith fully is aware of the negative. Faith is fully aware of all the things that are wrong in its life, in its environment, in its circumstance. It's just that faith makes a choice. Here's point number three. Faith focuses on who God is and what He's promised. Faith focuses on who God is and what He's promised. God has created you so that you can only focus on one thing at a time. If I say to you, here, focus on my finger, then whatever's behind it would be blurry. If I said, focus on what's behind me, then the finger would be blurry. He's created you so you can only focus on one thing at a time. Now, this word considered comes from two uh, root words in the Greek that mean, uh, number one, to exercise the mind. And the second root word means intensity. And that's where we get the whole idea from of, you know, and you've probably said it yourself, I just couldn't stop going over and over and over again, over it in my mind. I can't stop thinking about that thing. Well, the reality is you can't just stop. Uh, one of the one of the mistakes I think people sometimes make is to think, well, your mind is like some master switch. You just turn it off and turn on to the good. I go, no, you can't get rid of, you can't stop, but you can replace. That's why Philippians says, beloved, he says, think on these things. If there's anything good, anything of virtue, anything of good report, he says, think on these things. He doesn't say stop thinking about that. He says, begin to meditate, fill your mind, really focus in on the things uh, that you want to see in your life. And that's exactly what Abraham did. He considered not his own body. In other words, he goes, you know what? I could get up every morning, creak as I get out of the bed and go, oh man, I'm a hundred and I feel every day of it. He could have done that. He could have looked at good old Sarah over there, 90 years young. I don't know what she really looked like. Maybe she still had youthful looks. Maybe she looked fabulous. I wouldn't have a clue. But I do know that whatever she looked like, he also understood that her body was past the age of childbearing, but he never looked over and went, no, that's impossible. That's ridiculous. I've met people who the first thing out of their mouth is everything that can't happen. Well, that can't happen. No, that'll never work. No, no, they're useless or they're, they're so set in their ways, they'll never change. And they look at the people around about life. You know, my kids are just, well, he's the black sheep of the family. How, you know, he's never been any good. Oh, well, of course, my kids aren't any good at school. Well, you know, my husband's always had a bad temper or whatever else is might be that can grab your attention and your focus. But Abraham considered not. He didn't exercise his mind He didn't allow his mind to go over and over and over again. Now, I will grant you that that takes a certain level of discipline in the beginning. 
and a certain level of intentionality to say, I'm not going to let this get. Can I tell you before God, if, if I can be this honest, I still have to do that when it comes to things that maybe, you know, the kind of things where you just go, oh, and it's like someone's let the air out and you just go, oh, and I've got to do the same thing again and get my heart and mind go, God, but this is what you say about me. This is what you say you're going to do. For me, I often, if you go to our, uh, our home and if you went into the ensuite bathroom, you'd see I've stuck up scriptures that have been meaningful to me and, and I write them, uh, print them out and I stick them on the mirror. And Rhonda says that if I keep on going, there won't be any mirror left. Just wanting to keep my focus. Sometimes I write in my little bits of card that I carry around in my pocket. And sometimes I write on these cards things that I feel like I really need to keep that in focus for my life. If I'm going through a tough time, maybe in the area of finances, then I will make sure that my focus is Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. My God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Or Luke 6.38, give and it shall be given unto you. Malachi 3.10, bring the tithes into the storehouse. I'll open the windows of heaven. See, the truth is you really do get to choose what your focus is. I think most people start with it, but then they give up because their brain comes back in. But that's only because they've worn a rut. I remember when I was a boy, and pardon me if this is, uh, maybe I shouldn't even tell you this, but everyone did out in the country where I, we're out in the middle of nowhere. I remember I would have been probably 11, 10, and we were out uh, on a country road. And dad said to me, I was the eldest boy. He said, come sit on my lap here, son, and learn how to steer. So we're on this bush track that had been worn like that, all right? So there wasn't much danger of me going anywhere because we weren't on a sealed road. This is just a sandy bush track. And I remember dad teaching me how to steer the car. I couldn't have reached the pedals, but he was taking care of all of that. But I learned how to steer. And you know, the reason that we were in those two ruts, as it were, was because over and over and over and over again, someone had driven on that very track until they created a well-worn path. Now you and I, our minds, we have built some well-worn tracks. Some of you, the moment you know a problem arises, the first thing you think is, oh no, not again. Here I go, oh God, I wonder what it is this time. If something good happens to you, some of you will be in the place where you go, oh well, I wonder what's gonna go wrong now. Because it's just become such a habit of life and a habit of focus that I zero in on those things that maybe aren't going so well. Oh no, there it is again. Can I encourage you? Why don't you start building a new track why don't you start putting your steps in the way you want to go until that becomes a good and a positive rut in your life? So he considered not his own body, now dead. But then it goes on and says, but he, he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. In other words, he, he looked up to heaven. He said, God, this is what you're going to do. This is what I believe about my life. This is what you promised me. I wonder how many times Abraham walked out there as God had said to him, look up at the stars and so shall your seed be. Look at the sand, so shall your seed be. And I wonder how many times Adam went outside of his, 
his tent or whatever it was at nighttime and looked up and he'd remember again, this is what my seed's going to look like. This is what my descendants are going to be. When he looked at the sand, which was everywhere in that part of the world, I'm sure he looked at it so many times and go, this is what my descendants, Sarah, and I reckon he must have driven her nuts saying, Sarah, do you remember? This is what God told me. She goes, yeah, yeah, I've heard it a million times. Maybe. Psalm 100 verse 4 tells us this, that when we come with a spirit of praise and thanksgiving, it ushers us into God's presence. You know, again, I cannot tell you how many times I've come into the presence of God, weighed down with my worries, my needs, the size of my problems, And sometimes it's a few minutes and sometimes it's a lot more than a few. But as I get in there, it's like the Holy Spirit changes my focus. And it's not that it's just all Jeff and me making it happen, but somehow rather His presence, I get to see things differently than the way I saw them before. I would encourage you, put on a worship, you know, I was going to say CD, but who has that? Uh, you know, just on your on your smartphone or wherever, you know, use whatever device you're using. Put on some worship for a minute rather than just sit there and, and try and, you know, wrestle in your mind with how do I get this? Why don't you say, oh, come on, Holy Spirit. Lord, would you bring faith around me? God, I have no idea how this could happen. I have no idea how this could ever change or how this could come to pass. But Lord, I'm just going to wait with you. I'm going to spend time with you. You said, but we all with open face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. We are changed into that same image from glory unto glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So Lord, I'm beholding blessing. And Lord, I'm beholding strength. And Lord, I'm beholding peace. And God, I'm beholding health. And God, I'm beholding all the wonderful things you have for me. Lord, I lift up my heart and my eyes and I see that you're going to help me in Jesus' name. And I'll tell you, many's the time I've walked out of that place of prayer and just gone, wow, I feel completely different. And sometimes it lasts for ages and sometimes it's not lasting very long. I've got to get back that track going again in my life. If you want to build a spirit of faith regularly, often, Enter His presence. No wonder Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says this. It says, Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. Obviously, back in Paul's day, people going, I don't need church. I'm cool. I just worship God at the beach. No, 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 I'm good. I just worship Him by myself. Uh, Obviously, they had the same thing. and, And the apostle writing here in the book of Hebrews says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, and so much the more as you see the day. That's the day of the return of Christ approaching. Well, he wrote that 2,000 years ago. Here we are 2,000 years later. You've got to know that the day's a lot closer now than it was then. And so the need for us to gather together and to enter His presence is more uh, significant and more vital than it even was back in his day, right? The reality is faith is caught more than it's taught. I'll say that to you again because so many people, you know, like we've obviously had a period of time where people are worried about infection, but you can't catch it out of nowhere. It's got to come from someone, isn't that right? And patient zero, And so exactly the same way, if I want to catch the good things, if I want to catch hope, I need to hang around people that got hope. 
if you want to be a person who thinks big, you're never going to get it sitting around watching, you know, the bold and the beautiful or Neighbours. Is that even still on? Or uh, <laughs> whatever those shows are. <laughs> Do you ever watch some of those shows and just go, I never want to live anywhere near those people because every week it's a different tragedy? It's just like, hello. Uh, make sure if you want to if you want to uh, build a big life in a spirit of faith, hang around the Holy Spirit. Seriously. Let him get a hold of your life. All right. So point number three was faith focuses on who God is and what his promise is. Number four, fourth one is a spirit of faith is fully convinced of two things. Number one, that he's able. Number two, that he's willing. In Acts chapter 26 and verse 28, the apostle Paul is in front of Festus, one of the kings and King Agrippa. And he's... He is speaking so persuasively that in Acts 26, 28, King Agrippa says this. He says, Paul, almost you persuade me to become a Christian. Paul responds, says, I wish you were exactly like me, save for these chains that I'm wearing. But if you think about it a minute, King Agrippa left that encounter still almost persuaded. But almost persuaded has got exactly the same effect as not being persuaded at all. King Festus, who was also there with King Agrippa, he actually said to Paul, Paul, you are gone nuts. It's too much learning has made you crazy. That's exactly what he said. So you've got the guy going, you have lost your marbles. You've got the guy going, I'm almost persuaded. Can I tell you when they both left that uh, that that hall where they were meeting with Paul, when they both left that place, the effect for both of them was exactly the same. The one who scoffed, the one who mocked, well, he was in exactly the same place. The guy goes, well, I was almost there. I was almost persuaded. I've discovered over time that most of us don't have any problem with God's ability. Everybody believes God can because of course he can, otherwise he's not God. The real question in our life is not can God, it's will God. In Matthew 8 verse 1, we're told about this a man who's got leprosy. Matthew 8 verse 1, When he'd come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him, and behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you want to, if you will, you can make me clean. Well, this is such a powerful passage because this guy, Jesus, doesn't go, well, first of all, let's talk about your life and your past. Are you a good guy? Because, you know, I'm going to help you if you're a good guy, dear. He doesn't talk about does he deserve it. He never asks, if I heal you, will you go out and be my representative? Will you carry my mercy and grace to other people? For all we know, this man did none of those things. That's why I think Jesus' instant response to this man is so incredible and so insightful. It says in verse 3, Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, a leper whom no one would touch. That touch is such a powerful statement about what God wants to do in your life. Listen to me, because God is not in the business of waiting for you to get your act into gear. God is not in the business of saying, hello, not going to touch them. They're too broken. You know, they've got too much sin in their life. Can I say to you that if you've got great sin in your life, you need a great Saviour. Jesus wants to come close to you. 
when they got out of that boat uh, from the Sea of Galilee, the gathering demoniac, a man with 10,000 demons in him, met Jesus and fell at his feet. And Jesus never said, hello, sorry, too much. He, he spoke to the man and spoke to the demons in him and delivered him. I believe that God cares about where you are. God cares about it. I know I'm kind of getting a little bit excited about it, but because I want everyone that's hearing this, I want everyone that's a part of this, I want you to be pressing into Jesus, not standing back from Jesus, not going, well, I'm not sure if He wants to help me. I want you to press in because He says, I'm willing, be thou cleansed, and immediately His leprosy was cleansed. I think about that and I think about the number of times in my life when I've been almost persuaded. I was almost there. I almost had it. You know, I was almost persuaded. I love faith and I love the spirit of faith because I know that you can't fake it. I know that you can't, you can't hoodwink God. You know, you can't kind of act with God like, you know, God, I'm really believing, but I'm struggling with all these doubts. The man in Mark 10 who came to Jesus and said, Lord, my boy is grievously tormented. I brought him to your disciples. They couldn't do anything. But if you can do something, have compassion on us. Help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible, Mark 9, all things are possible to him that believes. And this man, I love his honesty, said, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. It's like he's saying, God, I'm trying here. I'd love to believe it, but you see, the boy's been like it for so long. And I thought your disciples had it because I've heard all the stuff they're doing and some pretty marvellous miracles. And Jesus, I thought they'd be it, but they disappointed me. You know, I know some of you, the disappointments of life have taken up residence inside of your heart and mind. Every time you come to believe God, the enemy reminds you about the last time where something didn't happen or the last time you stepped out in faith and fell flat in your face or it didn't work. And the enemy wants to kind of keep you captured in that moment of time. That man could have done that. He, that man could have said, Lord, I've tried, it's too hard, forget it. But he didn't. He kept pressing in. He goes to Jesus, if you can help, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus says to him, if you can believe all things are possible, I believe, help my unbelief. I love the honesty. Listen, you don't have to pretend with God. A, because you can't hoodwink him anyway. Secondly, because, hello, that's not what it's about. He wants you and I to come to him. Not find reasons why he won't help. He wants us to come to him and to trust him. I think I've been almost persuaded. And then I've listened to somebody else's opinion or somebody else told me about how something had happened to them, and, or else I've just simply gone back and rehearsed all my circumstances again and again. And the end result of it has been that I've, I've got to be honest, I think sometimes I've talked myself out of God's answer for my life. And I'm praying that you and I will go on a different journey from faith to faith, not from faith to disappointment, not from faith to doubt, but from faith to faith. Lord, let my life carry that. See, I believe that this is the hour and this is the day when God needs a church full of people that have got faith. And there'll be all different levels of that and all different expressions of that. 
Some of you right now, maybe a great step of faith for you is it's to step up and serve, to say, God, I'll give you the time, I'll, I'll give you the opportunity to use me because you don't think you're anything special at all. And you want to say, God, I'll give you that. For some of you, it'll be around the area of your giving. And I say that just because it's such a simple thing to do. It's an easy way for you to be able to step out of it. You don't have to come up with any grand plan. You just start giving. Maybe that's what it is for you. Maybe it's just an area of your life that you've always tolerated, you've put up with because you just go, well, it's just been there forever. You know, like the man with the tormented boy. And maybe now's the time where you come to Jesus and say, Lord, I'd like to believe. Would you take me on the journey to believing? I'm not there yet, and that's okay, but Lord, I'm going to go on the journey with you. One more thing, one more story, because I love all these, you know, Mark's Gospel, chapter 5. There came a ruler of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and he came to Jesus and he said, Master, my daughter lies at home at the point of death, but if you will come and lay your hands on her, so she'll be well. And so Jesus immediately starts to go with the man. But then an interruption occurs because a woman who's had an issue of blood 12 years and had spent all of her livelihood, everything she owned on, many physicians, the Bible says, and was nothing better but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the crowd behind and she pressed through and touched his garment. For she said, there's the power of your words again. She said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be made whole. No one had ever done that before. It's interesting the chapter after Mark 6 it says, and as many as touched him were made whole because they saw someone else do it. Is there someone that you can look to as an example of faith in your life? Is there someone who you can look to who will inspire you to say, God, if they could press through and find you, maybe I can. Then why not let God do that? This woman presses through the crowd and Jesus stops. And I know if I'd been Jairus, I would have said, oh, oh Jesus, hurry up. She's really ill, you know. We've got to get there in a hurry. And yet this man, with all the pain of that and the waiting and the, you know, the oh, hurry up, but Jesus pauses with this woman. She steps out of the crowd, acknowledges it was her. He says, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. And just as they finish that, Jairus looks up and sees one of his trusted employees coming. And you can tell by the look on the guy's face that this is not going to be good news. So this man comes to Jairus, he said, listen, don't trouble the master any further. Your daughter's dead. Well, I wonder where you and I would be at. But listen, Jesus turns to Jairus and he says this, be not afraid, only believe. And Jesus doesn't send him off going to his home. The Bible says, and Jesus went with him and the crowd followed. I cannot imagine what it would have been like to have your mind so full of, oh, no, and whatever, but you're hanging on to Jesus. See, you're filling your heart and mind with his word. I will come and heal her. He said he'd come, and now he's coming with me because, see, it's a journey. It's not a moment. It's not a now or never. God is never going to kind of go, sorry, you fail. He's going to go, come on, let's go on the journey. And so Jesus goes with Jairus to the home. And when they get there, there's a sound of a crowd. The professional whalers have already arrived. Everyone's got their opinions of, you know, it's all too late and it's all bad. And Jesus puts them out again. See what we said about it. Considered not his own body. 
now dead, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. What Jesus does, he says, let's get rid of the other voices. Let's get rid of all the people that's saying it can never happen. Let's put all that aside. And he took the mother and the father and he went in and it says he took the damsel by the hand and he said unto her, Talitha Cumai, which is to be interpreted as saying, damsel, I say unto you, arise. And straightway the girl stood up for she was about 12 years of age. And I think about that. And I think about what an exciting thing it is to go on a journey of faith with Jesus. To not just be a Christian who goes to church, reads the Bible, prays and is a good person, but someone who says, God, I'm going to allow you to start to make something of my life. Let me be the kind of person, Lord, who carries a spirit of faith. Not just for my own needs, for my answers, but for the sake of others around about. What a beautiful thing that is in your life. Let me give them to you again as we finish. Fill your heart with the Word of God. Harness the power of your words. Focus on who He says He is and what He's promised to you. And then become fully persuaded. Let God take you on the journey of faith. Look, it's our joy. Thank you so much for being a part of this growth session and I pray that it's helped you. I would so encourage you, hear it again, hear it again, hear it again. Because you'll find that as you do, because I'm conscious today that it's more than just a nice message or a, a set of information. I feel the Holy Spirit's been here with us, helping every single one of us. And that Holy Spirit, that's not me or my personality or my gift. That's the Holy Spirit. And if you will let that revelation keep speaking to you, it'll build you and help you. Now, some of you that are a part of this session, you have never given your life to Christ. You've never started the journey with Jesus like Jairus did. And I would pray that today will be the day when you will say yes to Jesus. You know, I still remember. I remember where I was and I remember the moment in a very small church and someone gave an invitation for people to come and get their life right with God. And I sat there and they were doing in those days a singing a song and and I'm, I'm there. I literally said, God, if they sing it one more time, I'll go. Well, they did. I don't think anyone knew that I was waiting, but I went forward in that service and I said yes to Jesus. And my life was instantly changed and changed has continued to happen in my life. I would love to pray with you. I'd love you to say yes to Jesus. If you will, at the end of my prayer for you, then I'd love you to text your yes, Y-E-S. Send it through to us here at Metro Church by texting yes to 0488-826-392. If you're outside of Australia or you'd like to get our help via email, then you go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. And maybe you go, well, why do I have to do that? Well, you don't have to at all. But we would love to help you. I thank God that when I gave my yes to Jesus, there were lots of people around about that I could go and say, what about this? How about this? You know, can, can you help me? I didn't know how to pray, to be honest. Really didn't. I knew how to pray prayers, but this was a different experience. And so that's one of the reasons why when you send us your yes, we'll send you a Bible verse every day for 30 days and we'll send you a prayer different every day. Bible verse is different every day, a fresh one that'll help you to begin to understand what God has for you 
and begin to learn how to converse and have that relationship with him that we spoke about. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for all these people. Lord, your eyes, it says, run to and fro throughout the whole earth because God, you so love the world. So I know the people I'm speaking to right now, Lord, they may not have known you, but you've always known them and you're drawing them people by the score, Lord, you're drawing them by your Holy Spirit. You're saying, I've got something better than this ordinary life. I've got something better than this natural living. I want you to come with me. I'm going to teach you and show you how to become a child of God, how to walk with God. Father, I pray for those people in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, touch them right now, wherever they are. Let them in their heart be aware you're right there with them right now, waiting for their yes, so you can come into their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for that. Send your yes, 0488 yes.metrochurch.org.au. We'd look forward to hearing from you. Hey, listen, it's been so brilliant being with you. I pray I'll get to meet you sometime. Come along, join us if you can at Metro Church right here at Beaufort Street, corner of Beaufort and Aberdeen Streets, right in the heart of Perth. It'll be our joy to meet you and celebrate and welcome you. God bless you. Hope I see you again sometime soon. Don't forget, by the way, Future Sunday is coming up. Future Sunday, it's going to be a special, special time on the 5th of February. So uh, that's going to be a fabulous Sunday. I'm going to be sharing some of the things that are in our future. And then at night at Faith, Hope and Love, we're going to be praying over those very things. I know it'll be an exciting Sunday for sure. God bless. Mm -hmm.